Hebrews 12, chapters 1 to 3, the message translation. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Bible Before Breakfast with Mildred King Sukongo. I love the Bible. I'm sure you're tired of hearing me say, but don't you just love the Word of God? I mean, it just shows me how much God loves us. He didn't put us here on earth to try to figure it out. He gave us a manual. He gave us something to work with. So he didn't just say, you know what? I'm putting you on this earth and I need you to figure it out and I need you to get this done. No. He actually gave us a manual. And not just a manual that says do this one step to two steps give you this result. No. He gave us a manual and he also gave us a book that shows us people who did the same thing and the results that they got. He gave us a book that helps us, like this scripture says, that helps us keep our eyes on Jesus, who began and finished the race. I know by now you've heard someone say, at least maybe once or twice, that life is a race, because it is. But what I need to bring to your attention is that it's a long distance race. In fact, I think it's a relay race, because we're not just running outside of each other, we're running towards the same goal as a team. Now this scripture, verse 1, tells us that there were pioneers who blazed the way before us. There are veterans cheering us on. In fact, some of the versions of this translation of the Bible, of this chapter of the Bible, says that we have a great cloud of witnesses. A great cloud of witnesses. Meaning that they are sitting like in a stadium and we're running and they're cheering us on. Now the good part is that they're not just people who have never run as well. They've run. Now they've handed the baton to us and they're cheering us on. They're rooting for us. If you really want to understand this scripture, you need to go back to the chapter before this, Hebrews 11. And time will not allow me to read the entire thing to you. But I will try to read the Passion Translation of Hebrews 11 from verse 32 to the end. Just to give you a few examples of some of these veterans who are cheering us on. Some of these veterans who are rooting for us. They're saying, if I could do it, you can do it. But they're saying, even though we're telling you we can do, you can do it, 
Even though we're telling you you can do it, we're not telling you to look at us. We're telling you to keep your eyes on Jesus. He started and he finished. Hebrews 11.32 He says, And what more could I say to convince you? For there is not enough time to tell you of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms, established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. It was faith that shut them out of lions, put out the power of raging fire, and caused many to escape certain death by the sword. Although weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. Faith-filled women saw their dead children raised in resurrection power. Yet it was faith that enabled others to endure such great atrocities. They were stretched out of the wheel and tortured and didn't deny their faith in order to be freed because they longed for a more honorable and glorious resurrection. Others were mocked, experienced the most severe beating with whips. They were in chains and in prisons. Some of these faith champions were brutally killed by stoning, being sawn in two or slaughtered by the sword. These lived in faith as they went about wearing goat skin and sheepskin for clothing. They lost everything they possessed. They endured great affliction and they were cruelly mistreated. They wandered the earth, living in the desert wilderness, in caves, on barren mountains, and in holes in the earth. Truly, the world was not even worthy of them, not realizing who they were. These were the true heroes, commended for their faith. Yet, they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. And he says, but now, God has invited us to live in something better than what they had faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us. What is this whole thing talking about? It's telling us that the fathers, the veterans, those who went ahead of us, who are cheering us on, they ran the first lap, the second lap, the third lap, and they've handed the baton on to us. And it's saying they didn't even see, the, they didn't see faithful, they didn't experience it all. They came before Jesus. Jesus ran, he finished. And they're saying, even though they didn't finish, they were so charged up in their faith that they didn't care. They were killed. They didn't deny their faith. They didn't have clothes. They didn't have food. They were stoned. They were mocked, but they did not care. They lost, they lost everything. They endured great affliction because they loved God. They did great things. They had their children raised back to life. They did great things. They fought. And they pulled armies from another realm into fighting battles with them. Angels came and stepped into situations. They say we can have the same thing. Because it's our turn. It's our turn. The baton has been handed over to us. And it says they didn't just hand this baton, but they're rooting for us. They're rooting for us that if I did it, you can do it too. And we complete the cycle. We are at the finish line. We just need to cross it. We are the last generation before Jesus arrives. So we need to run. And we need to run with everything that we have. And with every sense of responsibility. So it says, how should we run? 
first of all, by deciding to never quit. Never give up. It says strip down, start running and never quit. Never give up. I don't care how hard it gets. It says you will only get the reward if you keep doing good and you don't get tired of doing good. Even if no one else is doing good, you keep doing what God has asked you to do. Keep running and never give up. And it tells us you don't need any extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins, nothing. Anything that is going to hold you down, it says let go of it and run. Run, but keep your eyes on Jesus. And let me tell you, I know how important it is for you to keep your eyes on Jesus when you're running. Because, in fact, let me tell you a little story. And I don't know if I've shared it with you before, but I want to emphasize the scripture by sharing the story. So my youngest, my youngest child, David, is a runner. <laughs> He's fascinated by speed. He just loves to. In fact, his favorite non-Bible superhero is Flash. He believes in running like with the speed of lightning. He's just always running. And so he was to run a hundred meters dash at, for his um, inter-house sports. And so he was running. But I was behind, I was on the sidelines, a bit behind him, not near the finish line. And I shouted, David, run! And my son looked towards me and another child ran past him. And at the end of the race, went to the other side and got him and he was a bit upset and so I said to him what happened you almost won he said I heard your voice mommy so think about this for a moment he heard my voice so he turned back to keep his eyes on me David lost that race because of me not because of him if I was in front of him like Jesus is in front of you he would keep his eyes in front and he would have run towards mommy and he would have run, won that race but I was behind him now the good part is Jesus is in front of us he has run and he's finished so not only is he our cheerleader he's also our coach because he's showing us how to run like he did no extra spiritual fact none he's saying run like Jesus ran let go of everything. That thing that so easily besets you. That thing that keeps you down. It says run. Run. The Passion Translation says that we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. That's how to run. It says, and the sin that we so easily fall into. In fact, the original Aramaic of that scripture says or can be translated to mean the sin that is ready and waiting for us so god is saying anything that will keep you from running with everything that you have because this is not just a race in fact it's not just a marathon it's actually an obstacle course because things are always placed in our path things are always there to trip us up but it says Take away all those things, the things that will slow you down, the wounds, the things, the sin that is cleverly waiting to entangle you. And it says, run with passion and determination for the path that is already marked out before you. So what's my challenge to you today? Keep your eyes on Jesus, but remember that we have 
a great cloud of witnesses that are rooting for us to win this race because they've run ahead of us and they're veterans. So what do you do? Go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and read about all of these great veterans and see if it doesn't challenge you to run this race with passion and with determination. Good morning. What a wonderful way to start your day. Bible before breakfast with Mildred Kingsley Kongwa.